Welcome to Outwit, Outplay, Outpod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 44, Episode 2, Two Dorky Magnets. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? My fire take of this week's episode is that Matt's girlfriend should have let him keep the dog. Matt's girlfriend should have... Let me catch up with you there. Catch up. What was the the controversy? Yeah, please. So Matt is going over his tale of how he's recently single, on the beach, ready to mingle, and can't really descend any lower and therefore isn't perhaps worried about his gameplay (laughs) because he's already in quite a dark headspace, in part because his girlfriend took the dog during the said breakup. That was a heartbreak that only makes the showmance that follows more engaging. I believe my note on that scene was uh, someone asked him if the breakup was mutual. Yep. And his answer was sort of, it was mutual in the sense that she broke up with me. <laughs> it was, yeah, that I, I felt for him, but we're already on the redemptive arc with his newfound love for Annie, which we'll, we'll dig, in, dig in more to. My fire take from this week's episode, my fire take is, is more of an invitation If you haven't been aboard the Survivor train since 2000, if you're one of the many people who has responded to me saying, I like this show with, wait, that's still on? I thought that died in 2006. Come aboard. I honestly feel that with the last four seasons since season 41, all the way to here, it feels more of the moment than I have known Survivor to feel in the past. And really what I'm talking about there, a lot of it is the editing. It's it's Mm. dynamic. They're finding ways to tell human interest stories in ways that don't feel stilted or forced. They used to have these little featurettes where everyone sort of would, you know, reveal some shocking personal detail about them. What they put on the application. Exactly. This is what the producers brought you here for. Exactly. And give their little monologue. But now we're just getting, it feels dynamic and yet natural. And we're getting these insights into Matt and Franny and and Carolyn and, and a very colorful cast of characters. So... I just think that this is as good a moment as any to hop into Survivor with two feet. I love it. Do you think that the amount of narrative that people get is any way correlated to the ending outcome? Or do you think it's contained to the episode and the narrative is just to move the plot line of that one episode forward? I am convinced that there is some kind of correlation. Mm -hmm. I try not to play the game of the edit is giving me this, so therefore this person will finish (laughs) this point in the game. Because I have played that game a lot. One, I legitimately feel they do head fake you sometimes, and you can't always get sort of like a one-to-one with your expectations versus what happens to the character. The other is I just like being immersed enough in the story itself without doing the meta-analysis of what are they setting me up to think. Having said that, They definitely set me up to think something in this episode and what I thought was going to happen did not happen. So I do get, I I get faked out quite a bit. So as your host, we think you deserve to know something about us besides our first names. So we're going into our survival personal history. I will start because I believe mine is much more abridged than Isaac's. Um, We were all there, 2020 pandemic um, in the house, not much to do. They dropped all the Survivor episodes on Hulu. God said, we have something for you. I was there, went straight to the internet, was like, what are the best seasons? Worked my way backwards, excluding the seasons that 
the conceit is that you need to know the prior characters. I wasn't there yet. So built my way. Yeah, I'm in. I have a special place in my heart for the older seasons with the square where the TV is still square and not all long. You know what I mean. Um, And the physical challenges where it really meant, oh, we really do need the big guy because one of the challenges is just how long can you hang on to this pole in this pit of sand. And I think we've gotten a bit away from that era of Survivor. Um, You actually don't really need the big people on your tribe, but we can discuss that at a later date. Indeed, indeed, yeah. So my Survivor history is a little bit longer. I watched Survivor religiously with my family as it came out. Uh, It was quite an event for all of us. Uh, I I have not been watching live since season one. I have gone back and watched Mm. season one and, and a fair number of the early seasons. But yeah, my Survivor fandom has been pretty locked in with no breaks since, I don't know, like elementary school. Like it's been a decade more or more. Uh, yeah, easily a decade or more. Uh, and so that brings us, us to the present, the present season of Survivor. Let's get into it. So why don't we, we briefly mentioned this already. Why don't we dive in a little deeper to the showmance? The, the episode name is Two Dorky Magnets Describing... Matt and Franny. Uh, Franny is clearly has a little bit more uh, game awareness, I would say, in this a equation. <laughs> Not terribly surprising. Uh, she is trying to set boundaries while at the same time setting develop- no boundaries. While at the same time setting no boundaries, <laughs> they have like a little praying mantis that they name Ernest together. So I think we can say yes on them having a first pet. That's a big step in any relationship. Who will but- keep the mantis? Yes, who will keep the mantis should they <laughs> should they part ways at some point? Uh, we'll stay tuned. But but what was the showmance giving you? Were you enjoying this little romance? We haven't had a lot of romance in recent Survivor. There's been no romance on the recent histories of Survivor. Unfortunately, I love a showmance. Can I say that this... I think it's a dangerous game we play. I think it's hard for the producers. I think... It's not in their best interests at all. We've seen even the perils of having a alliance of two, never mind a showmance. So do I think this is working out the best way for them? No. Am I ready to watch every moment? Absolutely. I think they will. I think they're going to fall in love. I'll say that. Forget The Bachelor. Like, this is how you find love and on it, Survivor. And it is the case that I, I believe we'll have to verify our facts here, but I believe Survivor has resulted in more married couples than The Bachelor. I can franchise. verify that fact. That's true. Understood. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard that. So so I mean, you know, romance is in the air. I indiv- I, I like them as a couple. I like them individually. They're unapologetically nerdy. I think a lot of Survivor fans, frankly, can relate. I think a lot of the fan base is probably seeing themselves in Matt and Franny. Uh, and and yeah, and the, and the romance has been too few and far between. This is where Survivor dabbles, lightly dabbles in the genre of reality TV mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the sort of outside of competition reality TV where you actually have interpersonal relationships and drama and romances and Survivor just having a little dash of that. I don't need to it, to sort of overtake the plot. Don't over-index. But, but having a dash is, is nice. And like I said, they will ultimately be voted out very quickly. So <laughs> let's take it while we can get it. Yeah, they've got bullseyes on their backs for sure. Um, well, why don't we fast forward a little bit to the challenge? Um, first of all, in the spirit of Survivor personal history, 
how much of a challenge person are you? Are you tuning into Survivor to see the physical feats? The I'm challenge not tuning design? in to watch these challenges, viewers and Isaac. I loved the old ones where it's like you're running and you're muddy and you maybe got hit by a coconut, like old school. Now these elaborate puzzles, I'm just like, I don't know. And maybe this is personally because I'm not great at puzzles and so I can no longer see myself as one of the sole survivors. But I like to go the challenges just to, just to get everyone together, see them size each other up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm largely with you there. I think the, you know... I understand why they design challenges to culminate in a puzzle. It basically means it's going to be close no matter what. Exactly. Because the puzzle, the puzzle piece always takes so long and is com- and is complicated enough that a head start may be meaningful, may not be, but it, it makes for a more engaging challenge. But at the same time, seeing people do puzzles on TV, not the height of entertainment for me. I will say, you know, I think they call them Imagineers, the folks who design Disney oh. Disney rides. Whatever the survivor equivalent of that, I mean, it has to be an engineer's dream job. Has to. And give them a raise. Because honestly, the people who have to pressure test these events and make sure that they all work, you won't have to be able to complete your own puzzle, a feat in and of itself. Yeah, and in the in the drawbridge mechanic was just cool. Like so they cool. have to. I, I don't know quite happened, but they pull the big lever and a little. They I, had I don't to even send know. someone over a spring pop. Right. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was just cool. So I appreciated it from a feat of engineering perspective. Um, Here's the thing, I think people were a little upset about practicing in the backyard. Do you think that was oh. the sore loser? in them speaking, or do you think that that is actually not in the spirit of Survivor? So you were getting from the facial expressions and the reactions that people were sort of like, oh my gosh, this guy yep. with the with the 3D And printing. that he announced and, it. Yeah. Like, that he was like, I built one of these. One, does that put a target? And two, is that not in the spirit of the game? Jeff Probst seemed impressed, let me just say. Jeff Probst was earnestly <laughs> surprised and impressed. I don't like that. It You know, he has to memorize this, a lot of scripts, I'm sure, and sort of keep things going. But that struck me as a very sincere, even from a man who's probably seen it all when it comes to Survivor fandom and how hardcore folks can get. He was like, whoa, this dude built something in his backyard. That was pretty impressive. Um, Carson, too, by the way, is like literally 3D printing the every 3D Survivor. 3D printing up the storm. It's crazy. I mean, I, every year I think I'm surprised by the degree to which new Survivor fans ramp it up in terms of how serious they are about the preparation and i love that i i think there should be a spin-off series called like survivor preppers or something <laughs> that is just doomsday yeah that is purely <laughs> like what do you do you get the call you're on this show what do you practice what do you learn oh like before you 90 day fiance before the altar yeah exactly 90 day altar. fiance before the altar but before before survivor Great. i would definitely tune into that show we're aligned yeah All right, well, let's talk about notable characters of this episode. And, you know, after a two-hour premiere last week, we got an hour premiere. It really was packed to the gills. Like, there are a lot of people who I found really compelling and who did a lot this episode. A lot, a lot happened. Um, Why don't we kick things off? Actually, why don't we kick things off with Matt? Um, and I'm talking about Matthew, I should say, the barbershop owner who built the, the, the challenge in his backyard. I want to start with him because... He had done the shot in the dark in the previous week's episode. And we do at the beginning of right. this episode get a little bit of explanation and fallout from that. 
his shot in the dark did not work, was not successful. But I found his explanation this episode, I was like, whoa, this is Survivor at another level. He played his shot in the dark knowing where all the votes mm-hmm. were, not wanting to expose where he stood. And it was a smart move because he is then not complicit with the, all the votes that went against Brandon. Only Kane is then blamed for going against Brandon. But my top takeaway from that was like, whoa, I thought my... He big brain that entire situation. <laughs> he big brained it. I thought my armchair strategy of Survivor was pretty good, but he was like many steps beyond where I could imagine. And they explained it so quickly that I almost didn't catch up with him. But here's the thing. I'm worried about how that work. this works if he is at the end and pitching his strategy to the jury and they're asking you, okay, pre-merge, what did you do to like get yourself to the merge? This is a answer tied and wrapped with a ribbon on it. My concern is that we, the audience, know, but he still looks deeply erratic <laughs> to his fellow tribe members. And do we think that will get him into trouble? Fair. He has to deliver an explanation. Now, we're very early in the season, so is this relevant when it comes to the jury? I'm not sure. But yes, that is so big brain that I don't even think his fellow (laughs) castmates understood how smart it was. Amazing. And I felt silly, too, because I was like, what a terrible move. Like, worst survivor strategy ever. And you know what? I'm not reading into the edit, but if one (laughs) were to, it's looking good for him. Yeah, it's looking good for Matthew. Um, what about Danny? Let's talk a little bit about Danny. He was a, he was a main character for a lot of this episode. We love the firefighters. Yes. Every time the survivor, the survivor firefighters give us some of the best content. I don't think anybody can deny it. Look back through the seasons. You'll see. Um, Danny played it straight down the line as he should. He got to the, found the key, got to the cage, realized that the only way to keep it secret would be to replace the sack perfectly back into the cage and he executed flawlessly like i think this is textbook survivor 10 out of 10 danny no creativity points but i don't think you need them right now yes he was exuberant he had his little victory dance but he kept his wits about him and he executed the move which brings us to carolyn (sighs) tons of points for creativity yeah tons Um, of points yeah, Car- Carolyn is, right out of the gate, the most fascinating and colorful character of the season, bar none. I don't think it's, I don't think it's close. No, not close at all. Yeah. Carolyn's far and away the most interesting. Yes. So Carolyn, <laughs> Carolyn finds the key, um, somewhat keeps it together, <laughs> emphasis on the somewhat, steals it from the birdcage at the first opportunity, realizes she was the only person at the camp and suspicion would naturally fall on her, then makes the mistake of not replacing the sack as Danny did, then realizes she made a mistake, and as voices are approaching, footsteps are nearing, she puts it back, sort of does a bad job. A terrible job. The best they cut to the camera, and the bag is just swinging in the cage. Like, she clearly makes it out with just seconds to spare because the bag is still moving. Yeah, put a rock in there or something. Make it make it in- indicate to some degree that it has some weight to it. But yeah, that was that was not smoothly played, but it was played in a uh, characteristically Carolyn style, and for that I give her all my applause. And perhaps this is one of the best social games we'll see because they left in a pack of four, 
And they seem to be doing that often. Didn't even try to engage her. And because she's been so ostracized, they haven't suspected her at all. They were immediately pointing. People became um, body language experts all of a sudden. They were like, oh, his, <laughs> their arms are crossed. Um, this person's touching their chest a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> 100%. The body language analysis was hilarious. The fact that Carolyn dodged any suspicion was amazing. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about survivor preppers. I mean, I think Carson could give Matthew a run for his money. The man saying he get, he read FBI interrogation books. They it's, didn't come in handy, though. He no, didn't have it. No, he didn't have it. And I think because whoever wrote the FBI interrogation books never met Carolyn. I think she may be unre- unreadable and totally impervious to any tactic that he could pull Fully out. agree. Yeah. Jam Jam has been one of the shining lights of this season. Agreed. For me, particularly. Um and he really pulled an audible this episode. So going into Tribal, we see the 4-1. Carolyn's got the idol. It's not looking good for her. I'm sitting on the couch going, you got to play it, Carolyn. Like, I don't think you have any other options here. I did predict for the listeners that Jam Jam might try and make a deal. Because it's always a little bit of the age disparity on these groups. So you have the three young people who all have the kind of tech consulting jobs. And then you have Jam Jam and Carolyn who are just a little left of center compared to this bunch. Um, And he says, let's make a deal. I immediately was suspicious when Carson tried to enter this deal because I was like, I think you are highly logical. And this is a group definitely strategic but guided by their emotions and i'm not sure this is who you want to be playing with long term and was personally shocked that the vote ended up how it ended up a hundred percent i think the editing was leading us to believe carolyn was in trouble in a major way when she did not play her idol i was like i i i probably made an audible sigh or something because i was so disappointed i thought for sure she was done i Mm -hmm. thought she was gone her torch was being snuffed it was over for carolyn but but yeah, she she wasn't, she persevered. So I guess, you know, Carson makes this comment at one point that the, his two options for the groups that he could go with reflect two sides of his personality, <laughs> which I am, you know, I have no trouble seeing the Helen and Sarah side of Carson's personality. Perfect sense. Yes. I have yet to see the Jam Jam Carolyn side of Carson. I thought it was an interesting comment, but for now we can only sort of speculate which what motivated Mm -hmm. Carson to go the direction in which he did. I'm looking forward to his explanation for sure. The sort of one theory I have now is that he viewed Sarah and Helen as competitors from a strategic perspective, which is clearly the aspect of his game that he prides himself on. And he's potentially underestimating or potentially just estimating Jam Jam and (laughs) Carolyn with their strategic chops. But I I don't want to make the mistake of underestimating them either. So he has chosen his fate. I think even though it's early, it was a decisive moment in the game for him to cast his lot with Carolyn and Jam Jam. And for the viewers, I'm really glad that happened. If Carolyn had gone and Jam Jam's days were numbered, I would I'd be, be devastated. I would be devastated. It would hurt the ratings for sure. I'm glad this took, for the benefit of the season as a whole, for Carson personally, but most importantly for Carolyn and Jam Jam personally, this was the right move. 100%. And that brings us to Tribal. That brings us to Tribal, which if we can talk for a moment about set design. We sure what, can. What is happening? We have suits of armor 
we have chess pieces. Carolyn expresses exactly what I'm feeling. Carolyn was all of us yeah. in that moment. She said, why are there so many? <laughs> why are they placed where they are? Which, low-key, I mean, there has got to be a hint or something in that the arrangement of that chessboard. That it just feels, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they could expect survivors to interpret a chessboard and then to map that on to something in the game. But it just feels like too much. It, it's giving clue. It feels like a lot of clues are happening at Tribal. And maybe this is a conspiracy theory that I'm starting, but I, I just, I wonder. Final challenge is a memory challenge. And it is <laughs> the chessboard. place these giant chess pieces exactly how they are in Tribal Council Go. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm I'm here for that. I'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know how many chess, the, how many chess fans are among the cast this year, but, but which brings us to Helen, who is, who's checkmated in this episode. Ugh. She, her bags are packing. I, you know, you never get that. You don't have much time to get to know someone who's voted out in episode two. I like Helen. She struck me as a very savvy, smart player. I believe you mentioned that she was an early pick for you to uh, run the table. Is she that was an early pick. She had everything I felt a good survivor needed. Good social game. She participated in the challenges and I think really held her own out there. I also will say the producers gave her a very wearable outfit selection like good solid one pieces fabrics that look like they would dry quickly which i think just gives you the upper hand in the elements like the producers hooked her up i'm not going to argue with that at all and i also have no further comment on the fashion (laughs) we're going to definitely leave that to you for purposes of this podcast but yeah helen you'll be missed your torch was snuffed uh sorry to see you go i did see her post credit sort of explanation she she was hurt she was definitely hurting. No, she was she, but a she, teary. But she had the class to give people props for pulling off a blindside, and I think that's the way you gotta go. If you're if if you're voted out on Survivor and it's a blindside, give them props. Don't 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 overemphasize on any bitter feelings because at the end of the day, it's a game. It's a game. Oh, that's not how I would leave Survivor at okay. all. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. No. Yep. I agree. You would be full full vengeful mode. At episode two, I would just be like, wow, I got a lot of shots to come out here, and <laughs> now I'm gonna go home. Um, I think I would have pulled the Helen. I think I would have been a little weepy, a little overwhelmed. Um, later, guns a blazing. You better hope I'm not on that jury because petty vote might be coming in your direction. Noted, noted. Um, all right, well, I think let's sort of wrap this up with the folks who we saw moving most as a result of this episode whether it was up or down in terms of their likelihood to run the tables and finish as the sole survivor kayla who did you like this week who do you think climbed a few rungs along the ladder of winning survivor run carolyn her check today no she i don't think she will be sole survivor but she is way up she has this idol she has a lack of suspicion she has a quorum of people who voted with her in her favor i think if the same set of circumstances happened with a slightly less colorful character then we would say that they were they were running the whole thing so i have to give it to carolyn this this episode carolyn stock has to be the one that went up the most because i think her stock from a likability perspective her stock has always been high from a run the tables perspective after after episode one i felt it was pretty low but now she has an advantage everyone is pointing fingers at everyone except her she's on the right side of the numbers in her tribe 
you mentioned if this were to happen to a less colorful character, Danny is that character in this episode. Precisely. Danny's stock is definitely going up. He's savvy. He's a firefighter. The biggest thing Danny has against him, I think, is once the numbers get low, people just vote out firefighters because they think firefighters will win the money, right? And they kind of, it's not, it's not a terrible a terrible suspicion no it's a sympathetic <laughs> profession as it should be uh yeah we love firefighters we on love this pod. <laughs> we love we officially support firefighters on this pod um but yeah he's gonna be a threat down the line but for now he's in good shape he's got his arsenal he's got what he needs anyone else that you had your eye on maybe from a negative pr- any stock falling for you i think sarah's stock yeah. it's on the ground her yeah. little buddy got voted out and i don't think she is going to be able to make good connections with the people she needs to make connections with on tika i also actually think matthew for announcing that he is so well practiced put a big target on his back so while he had a big win i think stock has fallen in the long run yeah i agree with you there for sure i think uh we have to actually we already talked about matt and franny obviously huge bullseye on those two I, I I don't know who they would go for first between the two. Franny strikes me as the better player. Mm-hmm. Which either means she's more easily able to ingratiate with herself and therefore escape the wrath of her tribe, or it might mean she's seen as a bigger threat, so if you're breaking up the couple, might as well vote out the bigger threat of the couple. I think it's definitely that. I think how this ends up happening is... They're like, we can't tell Matt because he'll tell Franny and they pull a blindside on her and then he's just left and kind of implodes. Heartbroken. (laughs) No girlfriend, no showmans, no No pets, no Ernest. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah, that'll be a dark day for Matt. I hope we don't live to see it, but but who knows. Um, All right, any any miscellaneous, anyone you're not sure is it's up or down, but you were you were getting a vibe from this episode. Any any honorable mentions? Let's talk about Miss Bam, who sat out the challenge. Claire. Claire, yes. I'm not sure. I would say Jeff Probst thinks her stock is going down for sitting out two challenges with your tribe. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Jeff had quite a reaction there. Visceral. Um, he And he sometimes does this. He's not always the impartial judge. He's sometimes the instigator. And he instigated here. He, he made this comment to Claire Notably, Claire then looks back at her tribe before answering and says both, meaning it was both my decision and my and a mutual decision made by the tribe. Um, so it was strange. I noted it. I didn't know what to make of didn't it. Didn't know what to do with it. I think that they, maybe they're laying the groundwork for some drama to be built upon in subsequent episodes. That, that, that was my, my best guess. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that bet. Great. Okay. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got for this week's episode in terms of the characters we're watching, whose stock is rising, whose stock is falling. Bottom line, enjoyed the episode, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. I'm so happy Survivor's back. (laughs) I'm happy Survivor's back. I think it's in rare form. Early seasons, usually you have to, there's this sort of waiting period where the characters have to grow on you, but no, like we've hit the ground running. These characters are, it feels like they could, I, I already want returning players to come yes, to subsequent seasons. This, season cast this cast would make a wonderful returning players cast. 
Well, that's going to be it from us here on the Outwit, Outplay, Outpod podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our inaugural episode. Questions, comments, shoot us a note. We have a Gmail, believe it or not. Outwit, Outplay, Outpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You sure would. I'm sure we'll be drowning in the feedback any day now. (laughs) That's it from us. Thanks, folks. The tribe has spoken, and so have we.